another funny little saying I like to say is my mess is my message. And without it, I wouldn't be the strong woman I am today. Welcome to the podcast by Mikhail Alphon. Before we get started on today's episode, I just wanted to point out one of my sponsors, Mike Me Audio, who actually created that incredible intro that you just heard. Now, Mike Me is actually responsible for creating Gary Vaynerchuk's intro, as well as uh, Brittany Crystal's on her Beyond Influential podcast. And what I love about it is it simply gives your podcast that high-end, high-production feel that really grabs your listeners' attention. Now, the good news is if you want an intro for yourself, you can actually go to micme.com, that's M-I-C-M-E.com, and use the promo code MIC at checkout, and you'll receive 10% off your first intro. And they make the process really easy. All you got to do is set in your script, uh, choose your music, choose your uh, voiceover actor, and they'll create it for you within 72 hours. Again, check out micme.com and use promo code MIC, M-I-Q-K, and you know the Q comes before the K, and you'll get 10% off at checkout. But before I speak too much, let's get on to the show. What's up, socialites, and welcome to another episode of the podcast. As always, I am super pumped on this episode, uh, but this one in particular because today we actually have the studio director of Box House, who's also a yogi, a fitness enthusiast, and has recently started a new project. I'll call it a project. Um, writing poetry. Am I allowed to talk about that? Yes, of course. <laughs> awesome. But I'll let her introduce herself. Um, before I speak too much, Stevie, why don't you say what's up to the listener and tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, first of all, I want to say thank you so much, Mick, or what was it? Captain Fantastic. Captain Fantastic. Thank you so much for having me on. <laughs> um, and I hope that everyone listening finds some value or inspiration in this interview. And yeah, just thank you for tuning in. What was your pooch's name again? Bodhi. Bodhi. I wish Bodhi could talk too. I would love to have a three-way conversation with uh, with Bodhi, uh, you and myself, and see what he has to say about his year with you. I know. I wish. But then he would steal the show. No one would pay attention <laughs> to us. So what would, what would Bodhi say that you're like? That I'm the best mom ever. <laughs> and no, I'm just kidding. I mean, Bodhi is just a lover. So I think he would say only positive things. I mean, he is my whole world. Um, but I mean, if I'm going to be completely real and honest, sometimes I'm a little busy and I get overwhelmed. Sure. And, you know, I leave him at home by himself for a little too long. So he might get mad at me and say that I neglect him sometimes. But I think for the most part, he is a happy little boy. He seems super happy. So um, we've had a chance to kind of get to uh, get to know each other, which is great. Um, but again, for the listener, like, where are you from? Where did you come from? So I am from L.A., actually. And I know that's very broad because L.A. is huge. But um, to be more specific, I'm from Burbank, which is near Studio City, Universal Studios, for those of you listening, if you know where that's at. Um, I lived there all uh, 17 years of my life. And then I actually got a soccer scholarship to UC Irvine. So I moved to Newport Beach when I was 17. Played soccer for four years, and um, actually when I graduated, I moved home for a few months and uh, just realized really quickly that Orange County was my new home, so I came back this way. I love that. And where are you working out right now? Working out or yeah, working? 
Working out. Working out. Yeah. Well, I work at Box House, so I work out a lot there. Um, I love spinning, so I uh, work out at Grit Cycle. It's my favorite. Um, and I'm a yoga instructor, so I do a lot of yoga, um, mostly at Yoga Works. Um, and I also lift weights with a trainer in Fountain Valley, so I'm kind of all over the place. I'm really excited to talk more about yoga. I mean, we'll get into that a little bit later, but like, I have my ideas about it. I'd like to learn a lot more about it, but I'd like to get into your history a little bit too. Um, One question I've been really, really excited about that I've been asking regularly on the show now is, what was it like to hang out with you in high school? That's such a good question. You know, it's funny. I would... Love to say all these great things. Um, but, you know, everyone has such a different perspective, right? Like, you think you're one way when in actuality people view you very differently. I will say this. I have a big heart, and I've always had a big heart. Um, I've always been extremely kind and um, very welcoming. And so growing up in, like, middle school and high school, I guess I was um, popular, which I hate that word now. Like, I even hate saying that out loud. Um, but I had a lot of friends. Um, I was the captain of the soccer team. I was on homecoming court. So, you know, I had a lot of friends. It was, you know, it was a really easy, fun time in my life. So I would like to think that I was well-liked. Um, I was, you know, the type of person that would see someone sitting at lunch alone and, you know, ask them to come sit with me. Um, but then, (laughs) thank you. I mean, I just, I don't know. I love people. I love people so much. And this was in Burbank. Yes. Well, my school is in Sun Valley, but I was born in Burbank. So all the same. Yeah. So I went to high school in um, like Las Flores, South Orange County. There wasn't a lot of like nice people that would see you eating alone and be like, yeah, why don't you sit with me? It was more like, hey, I'm just going to throw my fries at you. (laughs) Yeah. You know, my dad um, has the biggest heart in the world and he's taught, he taught me at a young age to always be really kind and include everyone. But, you know, I definitely probably still have these tendencies, but I know that I can sometimes be really, um, you know, I guess selfish sounds pretty harsh because my intention isn't to be selfish, but I get really wrapped up in my world and my routine and like, I know what I like. And so sometimes I feel like, you know, maybe more so in high school, um, I was very much like my way or the highway kind of thing. But I mean, I think outside of that, um, I had a lot of great friends and a lot of great relationships. And, you know, I wasn't just friends with certain groups. I was kind of friends with everybody. Um, And so I would like to think that, I don't know, I was a pretty cool person back in the day. Sure. (laughs) So you mentioned that you got a full ride to did you get a full ride to UCI or just a scholarship? Not, just a scholarship. I wish all, a full ride. First of all, not just a scholarship. That's pretty <laughs> badass to like get a scholarship based on a sport. So yeah. you were pretty good. Yeah, I was, you know, I was, yeah, I was Were you as good, good at, at soccer as you were popular? I was a way better soccer player. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't that cool. Let's be real. <laughs> but I don't think it should be a bad thing like… You know, I, I get it. You don't want to sit there and be like, I was popular in high school. However, if I said that you were popular in high school, it would be a compliment. <laughs> because it would be like, that just means you were nice to a lot of people. That you meant something and you delivered value to a lot of people. P- typically, people that are like not doing those things don't end up being popular. Yeah. I mean, I think popular with anything, right? It's all perspective. Like sure. what your definition of popular is. And I think… Back in the day when you're in high school, middle school, like popular, it comes with, 
you know, I don't know, some negative connotations. I think, yes, exactly what you're saying. Like being popular doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad thing. Um, But again, too, I feel like everyone judges each other, especially when you're younger. You know, girls are catty. Um, everyone's in competition. I mean, it's tough. It's a tough time in your life. So sometimes when you're popular, people will automatically um, judge you without getting to know you. And I think that was a huge thing for me. I had a lot of people be like, wow, you are so different than what I expected. You know, oh, in and a good so, way. In a good way, yeah. Um, I think a lot of people would just initially think, oh, you and your friends are popular, so you must be stuck up or you must be mean or whatever it may be. And so I think once people actually realized they were the ones judging more more so than, you know, the popular kids were judging and they got to actually get to know you or I guess know me. They realized like who I was and what my heart was like. So Isn't that interesting how that works out? Yeah. What ended up happening with soccer? I, you know, like I said, went to UC Irvine and I played for three years. Um, I got severely injured. My lower back got really messed up my freshman year. So I was out for a good six months. And, you know, after I came back, I just wasn't the same player. I was really in my head. I'll be completely real and it's, you know, I'm okay to talk about it now, but I started a few of my first um, freshman year, first few games. And then after I got injured, when I came back, I wasn't playing at all. And it got the best of my ego. I was always used to being um, the captain and the soccer star and the best on the team. And so when I lost that, I think, you know, I got really down on myself and decided that I didn't love soccer anymore. And it wasn't until later that I realized it, it wasn't that I didn't love soccer, but I decided to quit my junior year. And it was probably the most devastating thing at the time that could happen to me. Um, I felt like I disappointed everyone around me, but especially my dad. And as much as my dad wanted to hide it, I think he was more disappointed and sad than I was. Sure. So it's like, think about it. You're working so hard your entire life. I mean, that is all I knew. That was my identity. I was Stevie, the soccer star. I'd go to family things and be like, oh, Stevie, how's soccer? Oh, Stevie, I like, nice to meet you. Your family told me all about you and how good you are, you know, at soccer. So it was just, I felt like I lost my sense of self. Sure. And I was in a really dark place for quite some time. And I had no one. My family was all in LA. Um, and Again, I think that my entire life, I've always wanted to be super strong. Sure. So I would put up a front that I had everything figured out. And I still do that to this day. That's still, I would say, um, a big thing I need to work on. Um, So I didn't let anyone know what I was feeling. You mentioned that soccer was such a big part of your identity. When you ended up losing that, how did you cope with it? I'm glad you asked because there's been, see, I'm kind of getting emotional. Um, I've been trying to figure out a way to like be more open about this um, because I'm definitely in a, in a good place. Um, but it's been hard because it's, you know, it's a dark part of my, my story. But I actually, I uh, developed an eating disorder. Um, the body image issue started prior actually to me quitting, but I would say the eating disorder came in full force once I uh, actually quit because I felt like it was the only thing that I could control in my life was like my food and it was a dark place. Did the eating disorder manifest itself prior to you quitting soccer or it kind of, that's what happened. That's, that was actually your coping mechanism was, was the disorder. You know, I would say it's kind of tough to say because I remember it was my senior year of high school. It was winter. It like just started to get cold. So I opened up my closet to where all my jeans were 
And I remember grabbing a pair of jeans and putting them on and they didn't fit. And I was like, what? So then I grabbed the next pair. The big way or the small way? They were way too small. (laughs) (laughs) I wish it was the other way. (laughs) I wish that was my issue. No, I'm kidding. Um, And I literally went through like seven pairs of pants and they would all barely button. And I just remember thinking to myself like, oh my goodness. Um, what this is, is your senior on? year in high school. This is my senior year of so high school. So you're still growing. You're a star athlete at this yes. point. So it could have just been muscle. Totally. So, okay. Let me kind of backtrack a little bit. And I, I hope my mom isn't listening to this because I love her so much and I don't mean to put her on blast. But at a very young age, because I was always an athlete, um, I always had soccer thighs. You know, my so my mom and my older siblings. I'm I'm one of five. Um, they have very different body types than I do. My sisters are stick thin. They can eat whatever they want. Like they've never had an issue with weight. Same with my mom. So when I was younger and I was developing these muscles, my mom would always make comments about my soccer thighs. And you know, at the time I was so young, I didn't. It didn't mean anything to me. I mean, I think it bummed me out a little bit because it's like, wow, why is my mom judging me? Um, but it didn't affect my eating or or the way I looked at myself at that point. And so I feel like when I put on those pants my senior year and they didn't fit, I could just hear my mom's voice in the back of my head. And what I didn't realize was all these years, I was developing this belief that my value or my worth was dependent on my body and the way I looked. But I didn't, I wasn't aware of that until that moment. So it was in that moment, then everything shifted and I started really focusing on my food, which again, wasn't a bad thing because I was eating horrible. Me and my dad would be traveling to soccer tournaments and we'd be getting in and out and like, you know, Taco Bell and donuts. Sounds like you're eating really well. So well. (laughs) So good. Seriously, if I could go back, please. I mean, those were the best days. Donuts for (laughs) breakfast. Heck yeah. Um, so I would say like the awareness kind of started then. And then I would say my freshman year of of college, I was playing sports. When I got injured, what ended up happening is I freaked out because I was like, oh no, I can't work out. I'm going to gain weight. So I counted all my calories. And then it wasn't until my junior year when I quit where I started to actually binge and then I would purge, which Again, crazy that I'm sharing this and so many people are going to listen. But yeah, I would say it just, it really heightened during that time. Sure. But it started a little bit earlier. You think that had anything to do with your back injury too? Like your muscles were weak or anything like that? No. That's like, I have no idea what your back injury was, but. That was just overwork because I'm crazy and I overwork myself in everything in my life because Mm -hmm. I'm an extremist. Um, I was definitely the person that would go to soccer practice and then be like, hey guys, like, see ya. Like, I'm going to go now run six miles. Like I was, I wanted to be the best. So I was always overtraining. Um, My dad always used to tell me like, you need to slow down. Like you do too much. Um, And for him to say that, that's a lot. When did the eating disorder become something that you could no longer like function in your normal life with if that ever happened? You know, I'm a really, I'd like to think I'm a really strong person, mm-hmm. um, strong woman. And I, for the most part, am really grounded and I can, um, nothing ever really breaks me down completely. So sure. I never let this spiral out of control. Um, I always, um, 
you know, I was always pretty mentally tough. So I, I kept it under control. What There was never a point where it was like, she needs serious help. Sure. You know, I would say a big part of that was yoga. That's kind of what helped me stay so, so strong. So, but when did it. you, when did you find that like the, the, the eating disorder itself was a problem? You know what I mean? Like. I mean, I always knew it was a problem. Gotcha. I think, but I think I didn't realize it was such a problem until it was all I would talk, like food was all I would talk about. Sure. Body, like weight, nutrition to the point where like my family didn't want to be around me. Friends, like mm. friends didn't even, they were like enough. Like I can't hear about this anymore. I can't hear about your diet. I can't hear about your weight. Came that, an obsession. Yes. Gotcha. Yes. That's when I kind of started to realize like, oh, wow, you actually have a serious issue. Yeah. Did you, does any, like, bef I'm sure some people know, but uh, did any of your friends or family know at the time that you were binging and purging? No one knew. Until when? Um, I opened up to my sister, my older sister. I just, I broke down and I was like, listen, I just need you to know this. I need help. And she was like, you know, I think we all kind of have an, an idea. Um, but it, I think that's when they actually, you know, once I actually told them, then, then that confirmed it. But sure. um, that was probably when I was 21. Okay. Yeah. And then what happened from there? <laughs> it's funny. Nothing. I mean, in the sense of no one was like, you know. So it's like, hey, sister, <laughs> I have this problem. All right. We kind of knew. And then move on. I mean, I think they always wanted me. They they mentioned a few times, go get help, like go sure. go somewhere. And I was like, no, like I'm not I'm not going to. And mm -hmm. I think the reason was because I did. I found yoga, and mm -hmm. that was my saving grace, a hundred percent. How? So, I started yoga um, right after I quit soccer. Okay. I wanted to do something that was physical, but that wasn't lifting weights, that wasn't running, just something different. And so I went to Core Power for my very first time, and I was really good at it. I was mm. super flexible. I was strong. I was like, wow, like this is going to be my new thing, right? Sure. And so initially, it just kept my mind off of it because I was doing something physical. Um, I was just able to kind of shut my, my, my brain off. Um, and then... About six months into my yoga practice, you know, Mick, I don't really know how to put it into words. And I think a lot of people that are, you know, listening that if they've taken yoga or they're, you know, yogis and take yoga regularly, they can understand what I'm saying. But it's this change that happens and you don't even know how or why. Like, it's just, it just, it just happens. Like, your yoga practice, I mean… I just could tell my entire sense of self was transforming from the inside out. Mm. Mentally, spiritually, physically, emotionally. And again, I, I still to this day can't really like classify exactly what it is. But I know yoga made me go inward. And I wasn't before. Sure. So I've only taken a few yoga classes myself. Mm -hmm. One of them being like a, a hot yoga. I think I was so irritated at being like sweaty <laughs> that like whatever internal thing I was supposed to feel. I was just being frustrated because I was sweaty. But on a serious note, can you walk us through some of the, like the mental, like how, how are these mental changes happening? Because for me, it's like poses and, or what I've seen and what I understand of it, which is very little, by the way, is like, it's, 
its poses and it's consistently like, you know, finding this balance. But I, I don't see like the mental aspect or the emotional aspect being addressed so much in the content that I've seen about it. And then in my firsthand experiences with it as well. Yeah, of course. You know, again, I think it's, that's such a hard um, question to answer because everyone's yoga journey is different. And yoga means something different to everybody. And everyone's experience on the mat is is different. There are actual, like, research. Like, you could research, like, why certain poses actually do things for you mentally. And I don't know. Yeah, I don't know the details of that. Sure. Um, like, all I can really speak is from my experience. And I think, I, I think for me, um, you know, it was just taking the time to slow down and allow myself to feel. Like yoga made me feel, and that's what I wasn't doing. You know, it's funny. Yoga made me come up with this term, you got to feel to heal. (laughs) And it's so true. What I realized, it's funny, what I realized was the eating disorder, right? It was was really actually my way, a defense mechanism to not feel what was really underneath the eating disorder, right? right? So the eating disorder itself and me trying to control my food, what lied underneath that was this feeling of not being good enough, mm. not loving myself. And I didn't know that, right? I didn't, I, I couldn't get to that because the eating disorder itself was blocking me. It was, it was my, it was, it was protecting me. Sure. You know, it's funny. We, a lot of times we think that these things like an eating disorder or whatever it may be, whatever you're, you know, um, Maybe alcohol, alcohol, drugs. drugs sure. Exactly. Um, we think it's the enemy, right? But really, it's just our friend. Like it's just trying to protect us, um, and we don't look at it that way. And so instead, you know, we end up getting into this spiral, right? So we have this for for me, for example. I'll use myself as an example. It's like I have this eating disorder, and it's quote unquote, it's protecting me. But at the same time, I'm angry at it, right? I'm mad because I have this eating disorder and it's creating so much pain in my life. And so then I'm mad at it. And you can't really, I mean, what happens when two people fight, right? Like nothing gets resolved. Mm. So it wasn't until I befriended my eating disorder and allowed myself to realize that, hey, you're just, you're just here to protect me. Like you're, you're actually the only one here for me right now. Um, that was kind of when I had the shift. Sure. And then I was able to see what was underneath it. And it was because of yoga. Because yoga taught me how to slow down, connect to myself, look inward, and it just allowed myself to, to feel. That's a really interesting friend. And I'm not trying to take away from that anal- or that metaphor because I, I, I see where you're going with it. But like, you know, just to carry it on, you're not friends with it anymore, are you? You know, it's funny. You, if we're going to like keep going with this… Yeah, actually, I, I I thank my eating disorder so much every day because without my eating disorder, I would not be who I am today. I probably would not be sitting here, you know, chatting with you about this um, because it's it's a big part of my story. And it's another funny little saying I like to say is my mess is my message. Mm. And without it, I wouldn't be the strong woman I am today. I wouldn't have the inspiration I have to, you know, write. I wouldn't have the story to share with other people that are going through this because guess what? I, I hate that this is the truth, but so many people struggle with this, not just female, men too. Yeah. Um, and so if I could relate to somebody and share my pain and my struggle and um, help them with that, like, I mean, I would 
do the eating disorder all over again. Talk to me a little bit about it, like your lifestyle now with mm-hmm. your friend at a distance, because I'm sure it's not a part of your everyday. Or I don't know. I don't want to make any conclusions, right? But what does your what's your relationship with food? What's the relationship with your body now um, that you've kind of recognized that that's what it was doing? I would be lying if I said I have it all figured out and it doesn't creep back up. You know, I think we all are going to have challenges in our life that we're just going to have to keep pushing through. I think that's just part of life. It's the journey of life. But I have a very healthy relationship with myself. Um, Yeah, there's moments where I have, you know, my moments with food in my body. But um, in general, I mean, I have used it to fuel me to live a healthy lifestyle. You know, now I'm, I'm very balanced. I mean, I'm balanced, but yeah, sometimes I work out a little too much just because when I get stressed out, working out like helps me out. But no, for the most part, my food, my working out, I just, I, I love living a healthy lifestyle. I love, I look at my body now and I'm like, what can I do to treat you, um, to treat you well, to make you happy? You know, and that's just a well-balanced diet. It's, it's working out. It's, um, yeah, it's, it's just, I still, again, I still, I still focus on my food and my, um, and my exercise, but it comes from a place of self-love, not self-hate, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. That's cool. Did the eating disorder manifest itself with other sorts of abuse, whether it be drugs or alcohol or anything like that? No. I've never been, because I was a soccer player, drugs, alcohol, it's never really been my thing. I get really bad hangovers, like really, really bad, (laughs) to the point where like I (laughs) would just rather go to sleep and never wake up that kind of bad. Um, So thankfully, like, that's, it's never triggered anything um, with drugs or alcohol. And yeah, I don't know. I've, like I said, I've always been um, pretty grounded and have had like good head on my shoulders. And I've always really, I've, I've really put nutrition and fitness as like a priority in my life being an athlete. So I just always knew those two things didn't really mix. So I know that you, you mentioned that you have to, you have to feel the heel and that uh, yoga and, and you know, the the meditative aspects of yoga allowed you to kind of slow down and understand and be and understand yourself and kind of dive into your feelings, that sort of thing. It comes out really well in your poetry, right? And I kind of want to talk about how you how you started writing or why you started writing in the first place. Writing helps me feel, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's just one of those things where. You know, sometimes it's hard. I mean, I feel like I, I like to talk a lot and I like to express myself a lot, but sometimes it's it's hard to to put how you feel into words mm-hmm. and to share that with someone. Sometimes it's just easier to write. And I and you know, this has actually kind of been new to me to be a little bit more introverted. Um, but yeah, just when I write, I I feel I feel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I keep using that word, but it's just such a beautiful release for me. And I feel like when I write, a lot of people can relate like to what I'm writing because, again, with that word feel, I write how I feel. And I think what we don't realize is the majority of people, we're, we're so similar, we're so alike, and we're all kind of you know thinking the same things and feeling the same things, but many of us never want to express it. So yeah. my writing just helps me do that. It's funny. You've kind of pointed out how you've been able to take time for yourself with yoga and now with writing, but like… I have a feeling you're a really busy person. Guilty, <laughs> guilty. 
how do you how are you even starting to set aside the time for things like this? I mean, is it as peaceful as I'm imagining it right now? Or like your phone's not there, you know, you're maybe maybe puppies like <laughs> is running around or something like that. But it's just like you and with your thoughts and writing, like do you really allow yourself that space to have that stuff come out regularly? You know, it's not as pretty as it sounds. Definitely not. I am super busy and I think that's one of my downfalls and one of actually my New Year's resolutions to simplify and to like take more time. But I will say that self-care is mm. so important to me that no matter what, no matter how crazy my day is, I take time for myself. Even if it's just 20 minutes, five minutes or an hour, that is a non-negotiable. So um, no matter what, yeah, I will either, you know, I will either go outside and sit by myself. I'll go in a sauna. Uh, Perspire is my favorite. Um, I will go take a yoga class, whatever it is. But I take time for me to slow down um, so that I can get that inspiration mm. no matter what. It's, a, it's Again, it's a non-negotiable. You make time for what you value. And I know for me, I value writing. And not because it just makes me feel good, but I love I love knowing that maybe, just maybe, what I put out there will inspire someone. And that's what gives me purpose. And that's what gets me motivation. It's interesting because I I think that's one of the reasons I finally ended up, we were kind of like connecting a little bit on social media regardless. But like there was something that really stuck out to me. I'm going to try and pull it up real quick. And I apologize to the listeners just hanging out. But I might read one of these out loud. Would that bother you? No. Please. All right, fantastic. I love that. Oh, it, it's funny. I landed exactly on it. So our strength is a muscle. We must exercise it through our pain, through our hurt, through our doubt, through our struggle. It is through those moments that we build. It is through those moments that we grow. It is through those moments that we get strong, right? And I think when I saw this one, I, I want to say that you posted it up in your stories too. That was finally, I was like, hey, I, I kind of want to talk to you now. <laughs> I mean, I always did, but it was just like one of those things where it's like, I, I, think, um, I think it's important to understand that, you know, that pain is kind of our biggest teacher, mm -hmm. right? What are some of the lessons that you've learned from the from the the pain or the adversity in your life outside of the fact that you just need to um, take time for yourself? Well, I I really love these little phrases that I make up. I always say, um, "Your pain is your power." Mm -hmm. This is my thing. You cannot appreciate like light without dark. Sure. Life is full of contrast. So mm -hmm. now when I go through a hard time, mm -hmm. I know that there's light at the end of that. Like I know that I'm going to get stronger. And I know from this experience, I'm going to be wiser. And and so it's it's just now, it, it, not saying that I don't experience pain and struggle. I do because I'm such a feeler and I am so introspective. I probably feel way more pain than I want to because I allow myself to. Mm -hmm. uh, but I get excited now. You know, I allow myself to feel it and I allow myself like to have that human experience because I do, I'm human. Like there's yeah. no doubt about it that there's moments where I am down and I don't have it all figured out and I'm in a dark place, but I never lose hope right. and I always see the light. It's, it's the fact that there's a light at the end of the tunnel as long as you kind of can recognize that, right? Yes. I think right. you, we, we forget that we have a choice in this sure. life. You know, we all have a choice. Um, and it's it's how you choose to handle the situation, perceive it. Um, you can let it break you down, or you can 
choose to step forward into growth. So your self-care right now involves taking time for yourself for yoga, taking time to write. What else does your self-care regimen look like uh, for you? So every morning, I try to have my little morning routine. Some mornings I sleep in a little bit too long or um, I'm just, you know, I I just have too much going on. But I usually always do a little morning routine. Um, And, you know, again, like I said, some mornings I have a whole hour. So in that hour, it usually, you know, there's meditation, there's journaling, there's, you know, me writing some affirmations, my gratitude. Um, there's what always a beautiful like, feeling when you get to take an hour to do all that stuff. It's very rare that it's an hour. No, I feel you. But mine's like three and a half minutes, kind of. But you know what? That's perfect. That's all you need. And that's another thing. It's like I don't want people to think like you have to do yoga or you have to spend all this time. Sometimes all it is for me is closing my eyes, saying a little prayer thinking about one thing I'm grateful for and then just maybe focusing on my breath for like a few seconds and then just starting my day. So again, it doesn't have to look a certain way. You know what I mean? Um, Let's repeat that though. So it's like it's taking a moment, focusing on something, one thing that you're really grateful for. What was this morning's? Box house. Box house. Well, more specifically, actually, my boss. It's her birthday today. Um, Happy birthday, Vanessa, if you're listening. Happy birthday, Vanessa. This is awesome. (laughs) She won't hear it on her actual birthday. No. Um, But her, she's she's a huge mentor of Mm. mine. And my life is, you know, I'm I'm super happy right now. And I feel finally really grounded in my career. And I, I have a really awesome, like, direction of where I'm going. And it's a big part of it is because of her and her trust in me and and her faith in me and the opportunity she's given me with Box House. Yeah, you were definitely digging into that gratitude this morning. I like that. You like my post? No, but um, yeah, I mean, well, no, I didn't see the post, but just how you're talking about it right now, you're definitely digging into it. I love that because I think it's important that it's like, you know, there's always like the, not always, we're lucky enough that it's always like we have food over, or we have food on the table, there's a roof over our head and like my friends and family, but you dig into one specific thing, or you did at least this morning dig into one specific thing to be um, very grateful for, and then you focused on your breath. Is there like a like a pattern that you go through, or um, you know any specific routine when you're when you are kind of being mindful about your breath? When I talk about like focusing on my breath, right? People instantly think, oh, like meditation. And it's funny, I've always struggled with meditation and slowing down and like taking that time to to breathe essentially. Um, so for me, when I say focusing on my breath, it's super simple. I literally count to five on my inhale and I count to five on my exhale and I just do that a few times. And that's different than like actually sitting down and meditating. And I do have time for that sure. um, on certain days, but it's very simple. Anyone can do it. It yeah. just helps you, like I said, slow down. So it's simple to you and I, maybe. I'd, I'd be surprised how many people like actually took the time to do that. And it's funny, even I don't take. Well, not even I. Like I'm the fucking mecca of like <laughs> of like meditation. But like I don't take the time to be like that enough. But then sometimes it's just in the shower. Like I'll literally be in the shower and just take an extra like thirty seconds to a minute, and just like you said, in through the nose, out through your mouth, like five seconds in, five seconds out, and. The feeling is completely different. It's a completely 
it's it is a much more grounded feeling and it's like okay cool like i'm prepped now it's amazing right and what you just said the word we've been saying so much on this podcast i apologize is feeling because focusing on your breath even if it's just those you know few breaths in the shower you're dropping your attention from like your mind and your thoughts and you're dropping into your body yeah so you're getting to feel and that's why meditation even though <laughs> mm-hmm. you, you want to be on the podcast <laughs> Here, I'll give you a mic. Are you going to bring him up? <laughs> the new host. <laughs> now, now, now Bodhi's all quiet. Are you shy, Bodhi? Yeah. I wonder <laughs> if the listener can hear Bodhi breathing. <laughs> I think you he can hear that. So Bodhi's a pug. So if you hear the snoring, Oy. that's that's Bodhi. We call him little squish because he's mm-hmm. a super squishy face. <laughs> so we were talking about feeling. I'm sorry. No, that's okay. Bodhi wanted, Bodhi wanted a piece of this. <laughs> <laughs> Mm. Oh, Bodie, smile for the camera. <laughs> okay, yeah, let him go. Bye, Bodie. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's the act of breathing allows you to drop into your body and feel, sure. and yeah. that's what I think we're getting at here. Is we we have to feel to heal. Yeah, you know what's interesting is one of the times that I focus the most on my breath is during the spin class. Which is crazy because like the music is going so fast. Your legs are going so fast. But then it's like that contrast alone with slowing down your breath is so nuts. It's powerful, right? Yeah, that is a good way to put it. It is kind of powerful. And again, it's like one of those things where you ask me about yoga. It's like, I don't know why. Like I couldn't tell you like like the scientific reason why. And I'm sure, you know, a lot of people, you know, a lot of professional breath meditative people, I don't know what you'd call them, could mm. give you like the actual reason why, but it's just, it doesn't even matter, right? It, it doesn't matter why, it just is. Yeah. Because it's truth. Yeah. And and so in that, I know for me, like taking that time just to breathe, it's, it's, it's everything. It's where my inspiration comes from, you know? Sure. I wouldn't be able to write the way I write and write the things I, I write about if I didn't allow myself to breathe and slow down and feel and connect to my truth. Because the writing that you see, whether it's about love or heartbreak or, you know, it's there's a lot of times I write writings um, in the third person because I'm, it's, I'm speaking to myself, but I also feel like other females can relate. I wouldn't be able to connect to that truth um, if I didn't take time to slow down and breathe and be with myself. Interesting. I love that. Stevie, you've shared it so much with us and you're like super open and— a lot of ways that I didn't think would come out so eloquently. So Me I appreciate either. that. Um, <laughs> as you might know, we do like to leave the audience with either, we like to leave the listener with something uh, from the guest. So if there's one thing that you could leave the listener with today, what would it be? Well, I think what I'm going to do, and this is definitely me stepping outside my comfort zone a little bit, but I did also tell myself that 2019 was going to be a year that I challenged myself and take action. So I'm going to leave you guys with a little meditation, a self-love meditation. I know Mick is super excited about this. I'm so pumped right now. It's awesome. Um, It'll be anywhere from like three to five minutes. Um, And so before I get into that, for those of you who are listening, if you're driving, please um, don't do this until later. Um, But wherever you're at, whether you're, you know, sitting down on a chair, if you want to lay down, um, Whatever feels comfortable for you, just find a space for you that feels natural and let your body kind of just um, rest there and then and close your eyes. And remember this, that meditation doesn't have to look a certain way. So again, whatever is comfortable for you, I want you to 
find that space. And as you begin to find that space, and you begin to settle in, I want you to find your breath. And then just bring total awareness to your breathing. Notice each inhale. Notice each exhale. Begin to feel the belly expand. Begin to feel the belly contract. Now feel your breath coming in through your nostrils. Feel the breath exiting through your nostrils. And allow the breath to find its natural rhythm. Now keeping your eyes closed, place both hands over your heart. And just continue to focus on your breath. Now on each inhale, silently to yourself, I want you to repeat, I am worthy. And on each exhale, I am enough. And continue just to repeat that to yourself. Letting each inhale draw in self-love. And each exhale release what is no longer serving you. Now I want you to visualize yourself standing in front of a mirror and you're looking into your own eyes. Regardless of what appears in the reflection, I want you to tell yourself, I love you, I am beautiful, and I am worthy of happiness. Allow a sensation of warmth to fill you from head to toe. Breathe here and know that love is always available for you when you need it. When you're ready, take a few more deep, mindful breaths and softly open your eyes. How do you feel? I love that. It's amazing. Such a good one, too. And it's so, like, it's manageable. It's not, like, an hour long, which is great. Thank you so much for yeah, that. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me on. This was so much fun. Absolutely. For um, for any of the listeners who might want to connect with you, where can they find you? They can find me on Instagram. Um, my personal handle is just at Stevie Mersola. And if you want to connect with my poetry page, um, which is, you know, a big part of my heart. It's uh, at Stevie Marie Poetry. Poetry is spelled with an I-E. Thank you so much, Stevie. I really appreciate it. And to the listener, thank you so much for your time and your attention. If you loved the episode, we would really dig a five-star review. And if you didn't like it that much, feel free to stick it to us. But subscribe anyway, because we're going to have a lot of incredible guests just like Stevie back on the show. Thank you again. Thank you. Thank you.